So I decided to make a talk about this idea of a demiurge because I've just been seeing so much stuff lately, surprisingly, even from you know Christian sources or other religious sources, but it's mostly a Gnostic belief. And if you don't know what any of that stuff means, if you don't know what a demiurge is, if you don't know what Gnosticism is, we're definitely going to break it down today because, believe it or not, it may be more relevant than you think, even though it seems like an obscure slash occult type of thing. And it is, but how it has made, you know, there's different shades of this belief and what it's tied to, but overall, how these beliefs in general, uh, which as I'll hope to prove in this short talk, are satanic in origin or Luciferian, how these beliefs have made their way into the New Age, even into Christianity, believe it or not. I mean, I've seen some crazy theories, crazy theories. But how these beliefs have made themselves into the New Age movement and into the mainstream is is very prevalent, you know, and uh, I think it's very dangerous to your spirituality. So, you know, what is a demiurge? What, let's break it down. So a demiurge, where does it come from? Well, there's a lot of history involved and I'm not going to get into all the details here, but I certainly invite you to look more into it if you're curious. But the idea of a demiurge is nothing new. It's been around for thousands of years. And I believe Plato was one of the first to think about it. And some other Greeks basically came along and kind of expanded on it. There was also um, some Jewish mysticism that's from like Kabbalah and that was influenced from time spent in Babylon and the mystical occult practices there. You know, throughout history, there was Gnosticism that happened, you know, after Jesus came, which was around a couple of centuries after Jesus. You have alchemy, you have, you know, the occult in general, the history of the occult. You have modern Luciferian Satanism and then you know you have the new age which seems like it's new but really it's it should be called the old age there's nothing really new about new age at all actually it just seems new age but it's it's really not um, and just you know as a disclaimer I was very heavily evolved in new age you know I was I mean I still have some books up right now it is the time of this talk that if you look at my previous books you know there's new age stuff all throughout that you know I've made several new age recordings I've made all kinds of blog posts and things so you know new age is nothing um, strange or foreign to me I was definitely involved in it quite a bit but then I realized the truth you know I realized that it's it's a false doctrine it, it interweaves not only the occult and ultimately you know satanic ideas and thoughts but uh, it, it just leads you nowhere in the end and hopefully, you know, we can expose a little bit of that in this talk. But the Demiurge is this idea that God, or I should say the, the being that created the world, is actually secretly an evil God. So there's this sort of fallen, corrupt God that created the world. And, you know... There's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of beliefs that go into this, or a lot of spin-offs. Let's put it that way. All right. So one of the arguments, which I've seen, believe it or not, in people who claim to be Christian, which really bothers me, because at least you know, if you're going to take on Gnostic beliefs, you know, then call yourself a Gnostic. 
you know, uh, call yourself an occultist. I don't care. It really doesn't matter. You know, you could you can say I'm a Buddhist. I don't believe in your Bible. Okay, that's fine. You know, we can argue about philosophy and theology and what what your answer is to death and suffering all day, and that's fine. That's a great conversation. But if you're saying I am X Y Z, I'm this group, but you are actually using you know occult and Gnostic beliefs, which are in total contradiction to that group's teachings, but yet parading around as you know, a Christian in this case. I've seen so many people in that in that boat lately, especially with all these, uh, you know, internet gurus, internet false prophets. So it's it's really frustrating, you know, somebody who is a Christian to see those kinds of things. So in the end, really, it's just about understanding and having discernment. It doesn't matter what you believe, because I believe that the truth is objective, no matter who you are. And so the, if you give it due diligence, which again, I'll hope to do in this talk and kind of walk you through, regardless of your background, just some basic philosophical ideas and to see, okay, you know, does this argument of a demiurge and the, the associated beliefs, does it hold any water? And my argument is that it doesn't. So the demiurge, you know, it, it's just basically this idea that, that the creator God is evil and then there's a, a more supreme being or real God who's kind of this impersonal God. And so where does this get fed into? Well, some of these people who are, again, pretending to be Christians, they say that the old biblical God, the Old Testament God, is actually Satan or the evil God. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I'm, I feel so awkward talking about this, but it, it really has to be revealed. You know, some people think that the Old Testament God is evil. And, you know, Jesus was the real God, or I should say, a representative, I guess, is what they think, sent by the real God, right? So there's only this duality. So keep that in mind. There's just this constant duality of good and evil rather than one true being and then everything else is just a lie, right? So it's very important that we understand that. So also what ties into this is sort of the Gnostic or, you know, if you go on one ex one extreme side of the spectrum is Luciferianism, where basically it inverts you know, what Christianity says and says, well, you know, God is actually the evil guy. Lucifer is the one trying to free you. And, you know, by giving you secret knowledge that you can become God, you know, and sort of it flips this whole story of the forbidden fruit, which led to mankind's current fallen state and says, well, you know, God is evil and jealous and that's why he's punishing us and trying to prevent us from ascending. So it's this whole spin on, you know, the truth. And so there's a lot of different versions, but that's kind of the, the idea that there's just this evil being that actually created the world. And, you know, depending on what flavor of belief you have, you know, you could either be a full on Satanist or Luciferian or, you know, more Gnostic, more New Age, more, you know, it's just all, there's so many different ways that this plays out. So it's just very important to understand the basics because again, you can get lost in the details, especially nowadays. I mean, especially in the new age, so many things have fused into this belief system between Gnosticism and occult teachings and Eastern practices and, you know, just aliens. I mean, it's just, it never ends, right? And so you have to use discernment because it's very easy to lose yourself. The basic idea is that, you know, Demiurge is like this evil being that created humanity. So with that in mind, I mean, the very first thing to realize 
mean, this is just so easily refutable. And I think anybody that can understand this stuff can just weed through the nonsense. But, you know, evil can't create. There's a big supposition here that evil can create anything. And that's just categorically false. Everything that is created is created by truth and goodness. Now, it's very important to understand that you can recreate something, right, by inverting it, by corrupting it, by, you know, slicing it up into a million pieces and, and you know, manipulating it, right? So so I can, like, for example, I always use this remix, or I use this example of a remix. You know, Beethoven, when I used to take piano lessons as a kid, one of the things that my piano teacher would tell me is that Beethoven was known for, like, just isolating himself before he would compose because he didn't want any influences. He wanted it to be something from nothing, right? And that's very important because it's a very big difference between somebody creating something from nothing, genuinely being creative, which I don't even know if something like that exists, at least not anymore, but even, you know, any creative person that you can think of what is creativity, right? I mean, what is creativity? You ever thought about that? I mean, creativity is, we, we think it's its sort of this, um, how do I say it? Like, it's, it's, we think that somebody just creates something from nothing. And oh my gosh, it's so impressive. But really, you know, there's no such thing other than the world around us that was created, you know, by a creator, by God, from nothing. That's true creativity. Everything else is just, okay, how do I combine certain things in a unique way and I I recreate something I remix it right and so there's nothing wrong with that because we were made in the image of the creator in the sense that we one of the aspects of our being is to create to to take joy in in creating the world right or recreating it or co-creating however you want to think about it but there's a very big difference you know and so when you realize that when you look at now the patterns of evil around the world, of these satanic cults that are in charge, of the people at the top who are all just bought and sold to the devil. I mean, they really are. It's not a conspiracy. And you look at the things that they're creating, right? And what are they doing? How do they create? Well, they, they pervert things. They flip them upside down. They invert them. They, they destroy. They consume. It's like smoke. These people are like smoke. You know, they don't survive unless the fire con- consistently consumes something that's alive, which is wood. All right. So God created the tree, and you know these people, all they can create is smoke because they're consuming the tree. And so it's very important to understand this distinction because the assumption that that an evil being would create anything is completely flawed. Right. I mean, it's just incapable because. One, evil doesn't create something from nothing. Evil has to pervert existing things that are created, right? And number two, what motivation would an evil being have to create anything, right? Let alone, you know, look at the world around you. I mean, the signature of the world is a signature of a being that has very specific qualities, and if you do enough observation, it's plainly evident. You don't really have to be, you know, super 
philosopher or really thinking too much about it. I mean, look at the world around you and it's extremely balanced. And what does that tell you, right? That means that the intelligence that created the world must have a, an incredible sense of justice, of fairness, of duality, of, okay, if I do this on one side, I have to do this on the other to make it balanced. Any other, if, if nature was any less balanced, think of it this way, if, if nature was any less balanced, you would notice it immediately, it would unravel Right? So nature is very much in harmony. And so what that means is that the, the intelligence that created it, that generated it, that generated the information of how things work in the universe, has to have a, a phenomenal sense of justice. right? Because if you understand both sides, then you can be truly fair. If you create something that's very imbalanced, which is what we create, I mean, look at... By comparison, look at what we create. I mean, look at the buildings that we create. Look at the the impact we have on the environment. Look at the look at government. I mean, government's a great example. Government's just terrible. I mean, you know, it's a constant imbalance and just ineffective organism, right? So, look at that by comparison, and you'll know exactly what a corrupt, flawed, evil intelligence does with their creative power. And then compare that to nature and it's just, you know, night and day. I mean, literally there's no comparison. And so the things that we plainly see in nature all around us do not coincide with an evil, selfish creator. If that was the case, reality would not be this interdependent, beautiful thing. It would be like a slave pyramid, which is what you see now, which you see this whole new world order type of nonsense and what they're trying to do i mean that's what you see that is evil at work that is all about control and not interdependence but you know top down slavery interdependence means equality right and you know so many other things too i mean look at for example when you plant a seed and a seed grows into you know a tree or you know some sort of plant that feeds even more seeds and, and more animals, you know. So in general, you could really say when you look at the world around you that it's very generous, right? I mean, it's just a if you're not generous, you do not access abundance. So that's a rule. That's just a rule of the universe. And when we align with it, we also receive abundance. And so generosity has to be coded into into the system, right? So would an evil being even understand or know or, you know, have anything to do with generosity? The answer is no, of course not. So it would be impossible for someone evil to generate information of generosity. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, by their fruits, you'll know them. And that's true. You know, an apple tree doesn't bear bananas and a banana tree doesn't bear apples. Everything goes according to its kind. You know, if you're an evil person, the fruits or actions of your beliefs will be evil. We, we look at your track record, right? You can say all kinds of promises, but we look at your track record. And so that's, look at the track record of the world around you. It doesn't align with, you know, what we see. And the other thing is conscience. Every human being has a conscience. Now, <laughs> there's a lot of people that aren't using the conscience, but we all have a conscience. So that means that the creator also created 
encoded that conscience, right? So if there was an evil being, he wouldn't give you free will. He wouldn't give you the ability to know what's right and what's wrong, you know? And so the more you look at this, the more you realize that having a demiurge is is just nonsense. I mean, even, again, another one is creating the world. What created the world? Well, okay, let's say we say, we say it's the demiurge. Well, who created the demiurge? Well, if it was the supreme being that created the demiurge, then, you know, the demiurge is not the real creator, right? So you get into so many stupid assumptions when you, when you really listen to some of these people talking about this stuff. And, and Gnosticism and occult practice is very much hinged on this idea that there is an evil being that you need to rebel against and you need to take your own salvation into your own hands by mastery of duality, of good and evil, of dark and light, and to ascend, right? And, and so you, you look at all this stuff and you start to see it everywhere, especially, like I said, the New Age movement. I mean, look at... This may be unsettling for some people, especially if you, you know, if you really are in the New Age stuff. But again, listen, I, I was in the New Age, very much involved. <laughs> I, mean, I used to get my aura ph photographed and, you know, kundalini and yo yoga meditation, you name it, you know, and I was pretty much doing that, meditating with crystals, you know, transcendental astral projection. I mean burning incense, all kinds of stuff, right? So you start to realize where do these things come from? And one, again, we're not going to break it down here, but you really should look into three people, and they are Helena Blavatsky, Anton LaVey, and Aleister Crowley. They're all huge Satanists in history, and you'll see exactly their involvement and what they have to say about New Age spirituality, the New Age movement, and, you know, it, it's beyond proof when you really look at the fact that the New Age is, again, about this idea of ascension. It's about ascending so that you can, you know, be God, ultimately, right? We are gods. That, that was the lie of all time. And it's, it's just nonsense. I mean, first off... One of the grossest misinterpretations is that the God of the Old Testament was this evil, you know, wrathful God. I mean, yeah, there's definitely examples of wrath, but if you actually know the Old Testament, and again, Hebrew culture is very important to understand because their oral tradition and written tradition was extremely strict on conveying accuracy, whereas the other cultures, um, you know, Greeks or... Indian cultures or other, you know, pagan cultures, whatever, you name it. They had a very different approach to stories, and it was the opposite, actually. It was to embellish things and to constantly exaggerate. So we can look at the Bible as a historical document, and if that's the case, you know, you have to really do your due diligence and realize that the God of the Old Testament is actually consistent with, again, if you're Christian, but even not, you know, from an academic point of view, with Jesus Christ. They're consistent. You know, that's it's a gross misinterpretation that there's a different God in the Old Testament and there's a you know new God in the New Testament. There's a new covenant if you're Christian, there's a new covenant, but you know, Jesus made things a little simpler in some sense. 
by saying just follow these two commandments, you know, the golden rule and, and love your God, love the Lord thy God with your full heart, you know, kind of condensing the Ten Commandments. But in many ways, he also made it much harder. He raised the bar on moral standard, right? And so the point is, though, when you look at the Old Testament, one thing that you consistently see is that God wanted to have a relationship with us. And that when we betrayed him over and over again, he used what's called investigative judgment, right? I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody knows about Sodom and Gomorrah, but do you know or do you remember that there was Lot and his wife that were rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah? He was the only one that was good. That was the 0.01% of that population that still had some level of virtue. And so what did God do? God sent an angel to investigate, to warn Lot and said, listen, this place is beyond salvation, so God's going to destroy it before it corrupts the rest of civilization, right? He didn't just, you know, even for one person, he made the effort to, you know, help people repent and to turn away from their sins, to save them, to whatever. Another one is when the Jews were captive by the Babylonians. Most people don't realize that God told them to pray for their captors, right? Because if the if Babylon prospers, then they, they too will prosper, right? So that's the same thing as treating your neighbor as yourself. So you really, you know, you have to do your due diligence when you take on these ideas. I mean, again, I've just seen some really blasphemous ideas out there. And again, it's all tied to, to so many things because if you do believe in this whole self-ascension stuff, or if you are a Gnostic or you believe, you know, that there's a demiurge, you know, categorically that's easy to refute and it's based off of faulty information. Like, where do you get your information? Do you get it from the Greeks who were all pagans and, you know, worshipped essentially Lucifer? I mean, if you look at the history of the world with the fall of the angels on Mount Hermon and how they bred with humans and created a crazy species. And again, this is stuff, um, if this is all new to you, then <laughs> I apologize. But you really owe it to yourself. One book is that's great is Stephen Quayle's Genesis 6 Giants by Stephen Quayle. That's Quayle with Q-U-A-Y-L-E. Great work on the topic. And you can really see, I mean, just phenomenal work. And there's so much more other than that, but that's a great place to start. Where all of these, you know, uh, old religions, you know, the, the ancient gods, the myths, they're all somehow tied to these fallen beings who taught mankind occult knowledge and wisdom just like the, uh, the Garden of Eden states, you know, we essentially were taught this idea of we can be God with the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, kind of a general way is, you know, you can make the best choices for your life. You have free will. So, you know, don't, you don't have to obey God, you know, and so rebel, do what you want, like live your best life, right? How, how many times have you heard that mantra? around us is, is promoting this idea of being free and, you know, choose your life. You're the creator. You're the I am divinity. I mean, that's just repackaged nonsense. That's not nothing new. That's That's been around since the dawn of time. And if you understand that God is the perfect and most moral being in the universe, the source of all truth and life, then when you disconnect yourself from that source with the illusion that you can choose better, through free will and ego, you essentially start dying. That's why they say the wages of sin is death. 
But you see, Gnosticism and this whole idea of a demiurge flips that upside down. That's why it's so spiritually destructive. It says, oh, you know, actually, God's the bad guy. He's just trying to prevent you from having fun, you know, with all these rules. And, you know, it's just, this is nonsense. I mean, you cannot save yourself. No amount of knowledge or occult practice, you'll, you'll never save yourself. Look at all these occultists. I mean, Aleister Crowley, he's dead six feet under. Is he risen? No. I mean, I hate to say it, but he's probably burning in hell. I, I don't know. And that's not for me to judge. But, you know, ultimately, there is an illusion that you can save yourself. And so on the more specific side of that illusion, it's the use of occult and sort of esoteric knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of dark and light, the knowledge of duality of, you know, and if you look at all occult practice, all new age practice, it's all, that's another theme. It's this idea of dark and light forces of dualistic, you know, dualities, the shadow and the light, and it's giving all this value and force and power to the darkness, when in reality, darkness is just the absence of light. There's no such thing as darkness as a force. You know, cold is not a force. It's just absence of energy. It's absence of heat. And just like lies are an absence of the truth. They're not something that generate in and of themselves anything. They're just absence of the truth. So it's very important because this whole idea of demiurge and duality and Gnosticism and stuff, all the duality, all that does is, is it not only reduces God's power and glory in your mind, but it, it gives evil this sort of equal standing. It makes them like, you know, equals with one another. And that's just not true. I mean, in God and the forces of evil, there's no competition, plain and simple. And so, you know, there's just a lot more, I guess, that we could probably talk about. But the thing is, the thing to take home is this. You cannot save yourself, plain and simple. We are constantly bombarded today, spiritually. I mean, it's, it's, it's a spiritual warfare, whether you realize it or not, with all of these false teachings that puff up the ego. You know, and you can call it, you know, your, your higher self, your, you know, enlightened self. I mean, it's just all nonsense. You don't, your ability as a self is nothing without the supreme intelligence. And that supreme intelligence is not you. It's not a better version of you. I mean, that's another thing. Do you really think that the supreme, most supreme, moral, you know, forgiving, honest, uh, generous, you know, being in the universe, would they be motivated to split themselves up into smaller beings just so they can experience themselves? I mean, that's just the most narcissistic explanation to creation that there could be, right? And so... This is why I'm, why I'm saying that all these things, they, they seem true and they're kind of, you know, they sound nice, they puff up your ego, but they're false paths. You know, you can't save yourself, right? You can't do what you want. That's, that's what the Satanist motive is. You know, they worship themselves. Luciferian doctrine is a new age doctrine because you ultimately you're worshiping yourself and your own ability to ascend and save yourself spiritually without the need for God. You know, you shall, ye shall be as gods. That's forbidden fruit, right? And the forbidden fruit is free will. It is this idea that you can do it. It is this idea that, and of course, again, taken to a, an extreme, it is, you know, free will to an extreme is using occult 
knowledge, esoteric knowledge, magic, you know, rituals to somehow alter reality for your own benefit, whether it's through chanting and mantras or transcendental, whatever, allowing you opening your body up for channeling all these different things that are, again, so many things that are tied into new age practice. You really have to use discernment. You have to be careful. In the end, there's only God and there are demonic forces. And, you know, depending on what you believe that may resonate or may not. But again, I really invite you to to do some research on our history, you know, to do research on the history of the earth, really. And start with that book, the Stephen Quayle, The Genesis Six, Six Giants, because I think anybody who understands history will really understand where a lot of the things that are coming today from, right? And how these things formed. And you, you just get so much more clarity when you when you can look back and understand history. So, yeah, hope that was educating. Hope it was helpful and, you know, avoid that Gnostic nonsense. God bless. <laughs>